Welcome to SAS Talk with Kim, your sustainability action series podcast highlighting how local governments are leading the way toward a more sustainable future. I'm your host, Kim Lundgren. I've spent the last 16 years working for and with local governments to help them create resilient, inclusive, thriving communities. I started this podcast series to connect you with the key people on the ground putting sustainability into action in their communities. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to SAS Talk with Kim. I'm your host, Kim Lundgren, and I'm excited today to have a guest with us who's going to be talking us through the Climate Reality Project. Today's guest is Keith Bergman. He's a longtime volunteer with the Climate Reality Project, founded by former Vice President Al Gore back in 2006. And Keith's also in his third decade as a municipal manager right here in Massachusetts. Welcome to the show, Keith. Thanks so much, Kim. Uh, Very delighted to be able to uh, talk to you about this important topic. Yes, and it's very timely too, right? We've got an inconvenient sequel coming out um, nationwide on August 4th. So uh, it's very timely that we're chatting. And, you know, I'm guessing most of my listeners have seen the original An Inconvenient Truth and are probably aware that Al Gore went on to create this climate reality project group. Um, And what's interesting is Climate Reality Project's mission is to catalyze a global solution to the climate crisis by making urgent action a necessity across every level of society. This is a very important and uh, lofty mission. I think you could agree, Keith. Um, But one of the one of the reasons I wanted to to chat with you, aside from the fact you've been involved for so long um, and your background working with local governments, but you were one of the first fifty trained when this was called the Climate Project eleven years ago. And I wonder if you can kind of share with the audience um, just what it was like um, to be a part of that first group and you know first maybe give us that what's the climate reality project really all about because folks might just know it surficially and then what was it like to actually be one of the first to be trained sure be happy to talk about that uh the 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 climate uh project uh now the climate reality project was established by uh former vice president gore uh to fulfill his uh, goal uh, at the time in 2006 of training a thousand people to give the slideshow that was featured in An Inconvenient Truth, the film that was released that summer. Um, and it's, uh, and there have now been over 12,000 people, uh, that have been trained to give that slideshow. The slideshow is updated, uh, all the time. There have been 35 trainings that have been, uh, given, uh, all around the world. Uh, since then, and I was in the very first group of 50 who were trained in the barn, in Mr. Gore's barn on the the Gore Farm in Carthage, Tennessee, back in September of 2006. Uh, <clears throat> the, the tra- and the vision and the mission at the time, it was all about the slideshow. It was all about uh, using... Um, uh, that uh, tool as a means of communication to educate people and to move them to activism. And over over the years, uh, the Climate uh, uh, Reality Project has morphed from just the slideshow to um, 
to the metric of acts of leadership. It's not it's not just about showing um, showing the slides uh, and telling the story, but it's also about doing things in your community, whether it's writing letters to the editor, talking with influencers, state legislators, your your members of Congress and so forth, uh, community leaders, business leaders, but just to, to be an advocate uh, for uh, addressing um, the climate crisis. So uh, it's, it's very much uh, uh, changed o- over the years. I'm delighted that the level of support that uh, climate reality leaders, as they're called, get now from, uh, from uh, Al Gore's organization is just it's just top notch that that the um, the vision back when I joined in 2006, uh, Mr. Gore had said that he'd hoped that uh, as his slideshow changed, that you could just go to a website and download the latest version, and that is very much what is happening now. Every few months, there's a new uh, training, uh, and we can and uh, we who have been trained uh, can go and down, download the updated. A slideshow that it's always topical. It's always it's always up to date, and I think from that standpoint, it can be uh, that it can be seen as that much more relevant. It's really actually uh, such a good point because you're you're having me recall. I totally remember the slideshow and how big that was, and the fact that you know I think the idea was so few people had enough knowledge on climate science and you know, the impacts for them to communicate with their with their friends, their colleagues, their family members. Um, and I do remember such a, a growth in the interest at the kind of grassroots level when I was working at ICLEI with local governments and you had all these community members that wanted to do something, but they just didn't have all the tools and resources they needed. Um, and so I appreciate you reminding us all about that because it was a long time ago at this point, but yeah, it was a slideshow and it's great to see that the Climate Reality Project has really kind of um, evolved to, okay, now we really have to take it to the next level, right? It's, okay, now we've got the right. communication. Now we need to really see some action. That's right. And we, and, and both the slideshow and the, um, the Climate Reality Project organization have morphed over time to being the story that we tell and, and, and the mission is, is not just to um, call attention to the problem of climate change, but really to focus on the solutions, and that and that's been that's been the most optimistic change that I've seen over the last eleven years. Um, that uh, that the, the the current iteration of the slideshow and the, the current focus of a lot of our activity is that there are a number of solutions that are out there that there are that. Uh, 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 solar, uh, wind power, uh, that, that there are just a lot of things that we can point to that uh, we've made tremendous uh, progress in the last decade. But there's still much more progress to be made, of course. Of course. And, you know, I think it's so timely, too, because in the situation we're in now, where we're once again, we've kind of been through this before, where we saw the federal government maybe not taking as much of a role, state and local governments really step up, but also you know, with an issue like climate change different than our environmental 
issues of the past, right? Like when we think about uh, the hole in the ozone layer and how we're going to address that, there was like a small indus- group of industries that were responsible for like 90% of it. So it was regulation, work with those groups, and it's done. But when we're talking about climate change, we really are talking about every individual's behavior. And while there's certainly a lot that governments at all levels can do uh, for their own operations, but also to lead by example for their community members, there's still a ton that individuals can do on their own, where you don't necessarily need any type of regulation or government leading the way. You can just do it yourself. That's right. And it's not only the individual actions that are taken to, um, you know, live a green lifestyle or uh, to uh, to do the best, uh, the best that you can on uh, energy uh, conservation on your own, but also as an individual, there's a huge opportunity for activism and for making a difference. And, you, and the dynamic we're dealing with now, where there has, at the, at the federal level, uh, at least at the White House, um, there has uh, been a um, uh, the, the president's uh, uh, announcement to withdraw from the uh, Paris uh, Climate Accord. There's still a tremendous opportunity for for uh, local activists and for state governments and for local governments to c- proceed with uh, the, the goals of Paris. The rest of the world is still committed to the Paris uh, Agreement. Um, and even if there's, uh, uh, and even if the the president has given up on it, the rest of us don't have to. And it's, that's one of the that's one of the messages that comes out of uh, an inconvenient sequel. Both the film uh, that's uh, uh, premiering um, July 28th in in selected cities, and then uh, uh, nationwide on August uh, 3rd and 4th, including there will be showings in Boston. Uh, beginning then. Um, That's the message that there are things that that we can do. It's the right thing to do. It's the moral uh, thing to do. And, um, and we can we can all uh, move forward. You know, and it's, it's interesting to me, because when an inconvenient truth came out, um, I was at Ickley, and um, we had a lot of local governments come to us, find their way to Ickley because they had seen this movie or the the mayor or an elected official had seen this movie and basically gave a directive to their staff saying, uh, we need to do something about this. Uh, and I, and I remember having, you know, so many folks reaching out to us simply because of that. And given that you're a municipal manager and you've worked for a number of different local governments here in Massachusetts, you know, what ways are you really able to leverage the climate reality training for this career? Because obviously what Al Gore has to say is certainly sparking something in people. And then the training, I'm guessing, kind of brings you down to how to get it done. But how have you been able to leverage that? Yeah, that's a a great question. And and, um, I, I have to confess that there's something about the training that that is life changing. It's three days. And it changed my life, and I've I've heard uh, uh, similar stories from other uh, folks who have received the training that it was just a, a life-altering experience. Um, it was certainly that for me. In fact, when I went to um, went to the training, and we were we were welcomed by um, the Gores at their home in Nashville, 
and going through the receiving line and shaking Mr. Gore's hand, I said, you know, I think I'm having my midlife climate crisis. Um, and he laughed and it was, I was about to turn 50. Uh, I'd been a municipal manager for 25 years and I was wondering just what my role was going to be in, in, um, uh, addressing uh, the climate crisis. And in fact, my role is to keep on doing what I'm doing, that, I, that I'm that i a municipal official, I'm a public official, and my role, I've come quite, I'm quite comfortable with, with the idea that my role is to be an enlightened public official, so that as opportunities come up to do the right thing, as there are, are um, uh, uh, opportunities through uh, through uh, programs or leadership uh, at the local level or in the region that uh, um, that there are things that can be done. I'll just take an example for many of the communities in Massachusetts since 2006. In fact, it happened in 2008. The Green Communities Act was passed in Massachusetts, and there have been uh, now. Uh, uh, over uh, over 100 communities that have uh, been certified as green communities. Where I work now, Littleton has has been um, has been so certified, and we're and we as the others are committed to uh, reducing our municipal energy consumption by 20% over a five-year period. That's that's the goal. Um, that we are uh, working uh, cooperatively with our neighboring communities uh, to uh, develop uh, climate adaptation strategies, uh, and that there are just a number of things that we can uh, be doing as uh, as uh, public officials and as community leaders to to uh, to address the, the climate crisis. Great. Well, thanks for that kind of overview. Um, I think it's important for folks to understand how you're able to really leverage this training. Um, and, you know, I was thinking when we were scheduling this this podcast, um, trying to remember back when we met, and I'm pretty sure it was um, in, in 2006, probably right after you did your training. I was at Ickley. You were uh, the town manager for Provincetown. Um, and of course, you know, you and I have seen it. There have been huge shifts in how we're talking about climate change, everything from saying climate change instead of global warming, right? That's been huge. And, right. and talk about climate science, how we're communicating in general about the importance of action to our community members. I think we're getting a lot smarter, um, you know, trying to use technology, leveraging behavioral science. But you know, I think the listeners would love to hear from your experience. Um, you know, how has the Climate Reality Project spurred in or adjusted to these changes? You've, we've talked a little bit about that at first early on, but maybe diving in a bit deeper because it's a very different world now in 2017 talking about climate than than it was in 2006. It is. I, th- I think there, were, there was an opportunity. Uh, well, life, I, I guess in, in hindsight, life seemed so simple back in 2006 that all we needed <laughs> was maybe a little change in national leadership and the all the pieces would fit into place with uh with uh, uh a uh, with a uh with our energy future and it didn't happen even even during the uh the eight years of the obama administration that that the the amount of progress that was we hoped to make on a national level um that um we 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 didn't make. I mean, it's a proud achievement that uh, that our uh, country, uh, along with uh, 
with others uh, committed to the uh, Paris uh, Climate Accords in 2015. Um, but there's still an awful lot of work to do that the, uh, that their, uh, the skepticism um, about uh, climate change has, uh, has grown uh, significantly in the last uh, decade. Um, and that that has created uh, really a, a very a very difficult uh, political climate in which to solve things. That the, in in it, it, it's too bad that the issue has become quite as polarized as it has. But one of the commonalities that I've seen is that it's the solution. I I think there's great opportunity to to be united over uh, solutions, um, and you don't even have to be in agreement about what the problem is or how we got there, uh, but that, uh, but that there's, there's such uh, opportunity with, uh, uh, through, through the uh, green technology uh, of uh, solar, the cost of solar uh, is, uh, has, has dropped uh, radically at the time that the uh, solar uh, uh, cells and batteries have, have improved greatly. Uh, and uh, the, the uh, amount of uh, energy that is uh, uh, being uh, produced from uh, clean sources has, uh, has greatly uh, increased. And someone is going to make an awful lot of money on the, on the new energy technology. I thought that was going to be us, the U.S. I think it still can be, uh, but there's, uh, I think that's a, a way uh, towards, our, towards our future. Um, but it still comes down to the commitment of folks at the local level. And again, to get, uh, maybe talk about what this, uh, you talked about the timing, the, the inconvenient sequel truth to power is being released as a companion book, uh, that's being released as well. There's all sorts of initiatives that are uh, associated with it that folks can check out at, at the climate reality projects. Uh, website um, and um, and to to see how that they can be involved in in uh, fighting the uh, uh, the climate crisis. There's a lot of solutions uh, uh, that are uh, that can be focused on, uh, and um, and people can pledge to uh, commit to the the Paris. Uh, accord on their own uh, and to encourage their states and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and municipalities and businesses and others to, to do likewise. So, and that was uh, the um, hashtag I'm still in, right? That was that campaign. Right. Mm -hmm. That's right. So, you know, Keith, you're mentioning the training, and I have to admit, um, you know, I had been aware of the, the first training, you know, having been at ICLEI, you know, there weren't very many of us doing climate work back then. Um, right. And my initial reaction was, well, you know, I'm doing this every day. I mean, of course, it'd be cool to meet Al Gore, but I figured leave spots for people who, you know, are trying to learn this stuff, the stuff that I'm already, you know, I studied it a bit in graduate school and then have been doing this work for 16 years. But that's not really the case, is it? I mean, what the training no. isn't just for people who know nothing about climate science. That's that's right. In fact, that it's been so that climate uh, at some level, uh, the knowledge of uh, the climate crisis is, has become ubiquitous. It's now it, it's on people's 
radar screen. It might even be in the background, but that a lot of the folks who apply for and, and go to the training are have great resumes, have a lot of experience, and are bringing the wealth of information that they have learned through their careers and through their 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 activism. They're coming and sharing that with other folks who are also getting trained, and it's a and uh, it's a network. I mean, the great the best thing. Uh, about the Climate Reality Project for me and for others, it, it's the people. It's it's the people that you meet. It's the life. It's the uh, the uh, lifetime uh, uh, friendships that that you develop. It's it's the contacts. Uh, the, it's the support network. Uh, and there there are just some uh, very very talented people who um, who are part who are new or are new trainees. As well as folks who who uh, may have just come upon the issue and want to know more, and they know that they, they they want to be more active in their community, and they can learn more. They can learn about the science. They can learn about what the solutions are. They can learn about how to how to uh, organize and how and and how to communicate. That those are those are some of the key things that uh, that can come out of the uh, of the training. So, you know, and that sounds like all of those reasons are, are legitimate reasons why every public official should get involved with this training. Is there is there a one key one that really is kind of the, I guess, the, the key for, for public officials in particular uh, to get involved with the training? Well, well, for... For me, I, it, it's a it's a great opportunity. There there is an opportunity for public officials to um, familiarize themselves with what is happening, especially for local officials, to find out what's happening elsewhere around the country. Uh, I went to a training in in Denver. I've been to trainings uh, in the last few years in Chicago and San Francisco, uh, as well as in Nashville. And it's always great to have someone who's from the local community or from the host state, who's coming there and talking about the particular initiatives that they're, that they're working on. Um, and uh, I'm very excited about the next training that's coming up, and that it will. it's just been announced that the next Climate Reality training will be uh, October 17th to the 19th. Uh, the deadline for uh, submitting uh, is uh, September 12th. And it's going to be, wait for it, in Pittsburgh, not <laughs> Paris. Um, and uh, what an what an appropriate uh, what an appropriate place to be. And the mayor of Pittsburgh promptly, who uh, uh, you know, moments after the president had said that he, the president, was elected to represent Pittsburgh, not Paris, the mayor of Pittsburgh came out and and reaffirmed his commitment to the Paris. The yeah, boards. In right. fact, the the mayors of uh, Pittsburgh and Paris jointly wrote a, a uh, an op-ed in the New York Times just days later. So I'm very I'm very excited about the idea that that mayor of Pittsburgh, who's doing a lot and is and is taking a leadership role, and other folks in Pennsylvania who are very very active, uh, fracking is a huge issue there. That there'll be a lot of folks there that will be able to talk to us about what they are doing and what what is important. Um, important for them. So there's a lot that can be learned from, from around the country, from around the world, uh, about what, what, uh, what solutions there are and what, uh, what strategies there are to pursue them. 
That's great. And so people can apply for that uh, directly on the Climate Reality Project site. Is that correct? That's that's correct. It's uh, climaterealityproject.org uh, forward slash training. Is, uh, but I'm sure if you Google Climate Reality uh, Project training, you'll get the it'll it'll get you the right link Mm -hmm. and so just out of curiosity i mean i'm assuming at this point compared to 11 years ago there's thousands of people applying um and i'm sure their capacity to support more has gone up but i'm guessing just because you apply it's not a definite right you have to actually get selected that's that's correct although i have to say even in the earlier days i mean i was one of 50 uh, i was a mentor for a couple of the earlier um, trainings as well, where, where there were groups of 200. So uh, there were a lot of people applying in, in comparatively few spots. Now we, have, we still have an awful lot of people applying, but there, but there are now more positions uh, available. And uh, the training in Denver, I know, for example, had nearly 1,000. Wow, um, and I think it's. Uh, I think they're hoping for a larger group in in Pittsburgh. So I hope that folks will, uh, folks, that folks will go and see the film, uh, re- read the book, uh, check out the information online, and um, and uh, take advantage of this opportunity uh, to to get trained. It's a three day training program that uh, that will be life altering, guaranteed. Well, that sounds super exciting, and we will definitely look into it and certainly be uh, pushing it out on all our social media feeds so folks can be aware of, uh, of the opportunity. Uh, well, Keith, I really want to thank you so much. This has been so interesting, and I'm really happy to know that this climate reality training, um, the leadership training, is really for everybody. And so, uh, you know, we will get folks in that, and I think a lot of our guests can relate to the opportunities here Uh, and understand that they could benefit from, you know, a little help on the communication side, having the facts. People always say, how do I prepare for those naysayers? Um, I think having the facts, these slideshows, the resources, it sounds like you're getting through the Climate Reality Project are exactly what they need in their toolbox when they're confronted, uh, you know, at public meetings and whatnot. Yes, it's it's a great tool. In addition to having been trained myself, I've I've gone back to several of the Subsequent trainings. I've gone to seven now over the years. Uh, usually as a, m- a mentor, uh, I have a I have a group of uh, of um, 25 uh, new trainees that I w- was assigned in Denver, and um, and and at other and at other trainings, and uh, it's it's been my role there to help them access all of the information and the resources that are available through the. Uh, through the climate reality project, so so uh, that would that would be the experience that folks who are applying uh, would be as well. That there'd be an ongoing commitment to support the folks who get trained, so to help them be effective uh, when they uh, when they leave the training and go back to being leaders in uh, in their own communities. Fantastic, and for sure, we want to encourage everyone to get out and see an inconvenient sequel. I think is it New York and L.A. Uh, this Friday, the twenty eighth of July. That's right. And then nationally, August fourth and third. It sounds like yeah, some sneak I've, previews. I've seen it. I've seen it twice already. It was a, it was screened at uh, film festivals on Nantucket in Boston. I was fortunate enough to get to see it there and, and get to meet uh, the directors, uh, John Shank and Barney Cohen, and and chat with them. 
and 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 I, and I'll say I was I was I was pleased as well that there was in the film there is some footage of the of my group the first fifty being trained in the barn so um, so I was uh, I was proud to. Uh, proud to be up there on the big screen for yeah for, you were up there I, so. I of course was also there at that sneak preview in Boston and uh it was fun to see you you were right there in the front row ready to, to learn right. you were very eager so that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> no it was a good film and uh I hope folks will get out and see it I think for me um you know it was having been in this field for so long an inconvenient truth I felt like was so important to get people to understand the problem we were talking about and an inconvenient sequel is really showing us how we're trying to solve this crisis and why mm -hmm. I think it gives good reasons why everybody needs to be on board and demonstrating how this really is not a partisan issue this is not something that is uh, up for debate uh, and you know the rest of the world is in on this and the US needs right. to be too and and I and I just want to share with you one measure of just that we're not getting any younger than this. But at my recent training in Denver, I asked some of my mentees. I assumed that I that they would all have, but I asked who had seen an inconvenient truth, and I had some of the younger members who had never even seen that movie. Wow! And yet there they were getting trained by Al Gore. But again, it was so much a part of their consciousness and growing up that of course I'm going to do something about climate, but I was interested that they hadn't actually seen the film. Wow, because they were too uh, young, that right? It was, <laughs> that they were too young. They were too young. So this is, there's a, there's a whole new generation uh, to, uh, to uh, capture with, uh, this, uh, with this, latest, uh, this latest film. So Fantastic. Well, uh, we are lucky uh, to uh, have this opportunity available, and uh, and I feel lucky to have you join us on the call. I think Climate Reality Project is lucky to have someone like you uh, really out there practicing what you're preaching, really showing folks how it gets done. So thank you for all your hard work, Keith. Well, thanks so much, Kim. You're, you're an inspiration as well with all the work that you're doing. So oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Okay, well, thanks so much for joining us, and everyone get on out there and check out an inconvenient sequel. Thank you for joining this episode of SAS Talk with Kim. You can listen to other podcasts in our sustainability action series at sastalkwithkim.com. Remember that action is the key to your community's sustainable future. What will you act on today?